Sharon Morrissey is a conflict management expert and mediator. Sharon works with individuals, with groups, with organizations who are experiencing change. I asked Sharon to come on and talk about the redundancy experience that many people are going through that right now. And Sharon shares lots of hints, tips, and ideas to help people cope with that experience. I found the conversation fascinating, and I hope that you will too. Sharon Morrissey, welcome to Eyes Wide Open. How are you doing? Hello, Connor. Good morning. How are you? Delighted to have you on. Okay, let's get straight into it. So tell me, what does a conflict management expert do? Okay, <laughs> uh, no pressure. So what we do is we try, I try to support people in primarily three ways, but um, they're three of the biggest ways, right, that that support, again, um, people to understand what conflict is. So we generally have conflict in work, in family, and then that internal conflict piece that happens between. Okay, so the biggest piece of that, of, of managing any conflict, the way I see it, is understanding and managing that internal piece. Because when we do that, when we're able to, or when we get the education to, so that's my role to do that, is we can manage the conflict in the workplace, we can manage the conflict at home. So if I just give you an example, would, mm. would that maybe work? So um, just say we go into work one morning and... Um, I, I parked my car in the wrong place and the person whose car parking space I took came in and was really cross and, you know, gave me hell for the day because I had parked my car in the wrong space. Um, I go home. So all day then that's kind of, you know, bubbling away inside me. I'm going meeting clients or I'm going taking telephone calls. I'm not my best self. I'm, you know, it, it's just yeah. there. It's seething away. You know, it's all happening. Um, but I'm saying nothing. Right now, what I am doing probably is I'm showing it. So I've got a cross space and um, mm. somebody might come in and somebody might say something to me and I kind of bark and answer back at them. So this is now happening also. Driving home, day's over, I'm driving home, somebody cuts in front of me when I drive home. Right. So I'm obviously, you know, <laughs> saying a lot of bad words and, you know, making hand gestures and all that sort of stuff to the person yeah. who's after cutting in front of me. And then I get home to my family. Um, or my partner or my dog or whatever, right? And I come in and, you know, the dog jumps up with me and I'm like, get off. You know, the partner says, how was your day? And I'm like, oh, for God's sake, it was terrible. And, you know, the partner is like, well, you know, I had a rough day too. And like, why did you have a rough day? The kids are wanting your attention. The kids aren't getting it. You're shouting at the kids to be quiet, that you need a few minutes peace. And then everything quietens, kids go to bed, you're sitting in the sitting room or wherever, right? And you have a partner who's not talking to you. You have kids that you've upset because you've shouted at them. Mm. And then you're feeling like, oh my goodness, I am a bad parent. I'm a bad partner. I am a bad, you know, and this is all the fault of the boss at work, right? Or mm. whoever, parking space you took. So you're able to take it all back to that. But in actual fact, if we looked at that, and again, you know, we've spoken about this before, being in the moment. 
the boss was annoyed that, or whoever was annoyed that you took the parking space. Okay. Mm. That's just a thing. Let it go. It's no big deal. So when we, when we are able to recognize the trigger, whatever the trigger is, recognize that trigger, deal with that trigger the rest of the time, it doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't impact the rest of our time. Mm. So by giving you that example, what I have done is I've explained that we have given our power, our internal power away mm. to the person who ruined your morning mm. or the person who cut in front of you in the morning. Nobody deserves that power. Nobody. Mm. We have our own power over ourselves, over the decisions we make, but we need to become aware of that so that's what a conflict resolution expert management kind of does and mm. um, it makes us aware of how we have the control to stop it mm. to escalate it or to de-escalate it and it also makes us really aware that we have a choice mm. and it's in that choice is the big piece and tell me um what is the biggest when you're trying to resolve a conflict say it's between a couple or in an organization yeah. what is the biggest challenge that you face and have to overcome right so when you're mediating yeah so the biggest thing i i have found in in all of the time that i've been doing this is it is very easy for us as people and i include myself in this okay so just because i do it doesn't mean i or, or I, I work in it doesn't mean i do it at home all the time it's not that we're human, okay? But the biggest piece in this is understanding that if there is a conflict, 99.9% .9 of the time, you are part of that conflict. You are not an additional piece. It's not that you're completely blameless, but that you are part of that conflict. So it's a system, okay? Mm. That's very hard people to understand and to to see so again just to give an example if it's a relationship breakdown an intimate relationship breakdown and just you know one person has found somebody else or has realized that they don't want to be with somebody and you know they've they've moved on with their life you will i will always have somebody say but it's not my fault okay and okay absolutely i'm absolutely wholeheartedly taking on board what the affair or the break in the relationship may not have been, right? Mm. But the, what happened before to cause the event, there were two people involved in that, mm. or three or five or whatever, you know, if it's an organizational piece. So we are part of the conflict system when there is a conflict in an organization, in our home, in ourselves, we're part of that. Mm. Once we realize that, once we become aware of that and once we can own our own little bit in it, mm. right? Say, okay, you know, maybe if I had done this differently, maybe if I hadn't parked and crossed the parking space, maybe if I wasn't in such a rush yesterday evening and took the two seconds extra to go over to the next space, this wouldn't have happened this morning. Mm. That's my piece. So it sounds like one of the first things people will do is they'll start to apportion. Blame the outwards, absolutely. And it's always outwards. Yeah. But no, not always. 90% of the time it's outwards. Some people will take the blame for everything. And mm. they will take the blame for everything because they don't want to be in the conflict. Mm. Yeah, it was my fault. I did it. 
I shouldn't have done it. I'm really sorry. It won't happen again, etc., etc., etc. Now can we forget about it? Now can we just go back to doing what we were doing and just pretend nothing ever happened? And while all that's fine, nothing gets resolved there. Yeah. Okay. So, and all of that kind of it 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 um packs on top of one another. So every incident comes on top of one another, and then you have just this whole barrier or conflict that something really small will happen and that will explode, and it will be in the completely inopportune place, in our opportune time. And it will have nothing in general to do with all of the conflicts that have gone before. But again, that's how I met, that's how I support people to manage their conflicts because they're their conflicts. That we look at the system. Let's look at all of the things that led to this happen. And now let's see if we can untangle. So it's a bit like a spider's web, really, you know, yeah. and you're taking it back. So when somebody accepts blame early. You're, yeah. you're, you're thinking that that looks like a kind of exit strategy. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, and I guess that that comes, you know, now that's not always the case, you know, as I say, and there, there's no general rule for anything, but it's about mm. having, I suppose, all the theories behind me and the experience behind me and the qualifications behind me that I can can look at something and and, and remembering, right, that I'm just formulating a hypothesis on what's in front of me. That doesn't necessarily mean that that's correct. So I'm continually checking with the people, you know. So when you say this, can I just clarify what do you mean by that? Mm. And if they say something else to me, my hypothesis is changing again. So to the person in front of me, it looks like I'm just nodding and agreeing with what's happening. But there's a whole lot of stuff going on in my brain so that I could take the conversation down a route. And if that's the wrong route for the person, I need to be aware enough to bring it back because it's not my conflict. And so my solution, the solution I feel would work, it's not mine to give. Absolutely not. So mm. I need to be aware enough as a practitioner to go, hang on a second now. This isn't correct. Karen, this isn't about you. This is about the people sitting in front of you. This isn't about my ego. This isn't about anything like that. This is about trying to understand what's happening for the parties in front of you. So when you're in a, a mediation situation, you would be reluctant then to offer alternative solutions. The onus would be on the parties to discover those solutions Absolutely. themselves. As a mediator, Connor, you never, ever. Well, no, that's that's not correct. There are some types of mediation, mediators and mediations that will offer mm. solutions. Um, and as part of the Mediation Act, if just i'm just going to use a, a familial situation so if a couple yeah. in front of me says look you know we both want to know what you think sharon so and yeah. they both say to me what have you seen this before what did that look like i can in theory say to them well look this is what i have seen before mm. i try not to ever okay um because it's not mine mm. And that's a boundary that I feel is really, really important, because if I give a solution that has worked for another couple or worked for, you know, a different organization, that may not fit the organization and the people that know what the fit will be are the people who are in it. So my job, as I see it as a mediator, is to go, OK, well, let's look at what we have and, you know, go through everything that they've given me so far. 
mm. and look at kind of the options that they may have made you know because sometimes people say yeah look maybe this could have happened or this could have happened or it could have handled this differently or whatever mm. and as a mediator i call those gifts or we call those gifts we take those gifts and we hand them back you know so a person goes yeah okay i've contributed to this now mm. so that's making them feel more empowered and when that happens then it's about the saying okay so this is all the information we have what else do you think might work here mm. so it's very much owned by the parties and that is the way i like to work so right now workers in the tech space and in corporations in ireland and probably all over the world are receiving emails and notifications mm -hmm. that they are in consideration for redundancy right so this is the early stage in the process they're a candidate for redundancy what do you think the impact is likely to be on the individual at that early stage in the process okay well i imagine i imagine there's different you know there's going to be there's not one generic kind of impact so if you have somebody who's been working there for x amount of time and they've mm. really hated it mm. the whole time to be a mm. candidate for redundancy is probably a really positive thing mm. you know um, if you have somebody who is, you know, mortgaged, possibly, you know, early starting out with young family, whatever, a candidate for redundancy could be a really scary place to be because, yeah, yeah okay, there would be X amount of money, but how long is that going to keep the mortgage paid or, you know, how long is it going to take me to get another job or will I get another job? Because in it, always when we get news like that, it's like, why me? Was I not good enough? Mm. Uh, what's wrong with me that I became a candidate for this redundancy? So it's okay. all of this internal conflict happening again. Okay. Um, and as secure and all as we are, or think we are, and some people mm. will be, something like that is a shock. Like it's a shock. It's a trauma. You know, it's a trauma. Mm -hmm. You know, just to call it as it is. Like, and depending on people's resilience, then. And how they move from from shock and trauma and you know that's going to depend on the outcome or how they see it you know so you might have somebody who will get this email as i say will be delighted going god i spent 20 years here i'm so over it i want you know to to move on to do something else you could have somebody as i say in the middle of oh my god how am i going to get the mortgage paid yeah okay the redundancy payments are going to pay two months of the mortgage but what's going to happen after that you know all of that um and then you might have somebody who goes straight into the why was i not good enough why am i the person and then you, that is going to impact severely on mental health because that is going to start you know i'm wrong again i say it again i wasn't good enough they felt that i wasn't doing a good enough job to be able to stay in this or if i was any good like michael he didn't get that and mm. um, you know so why why me why me you know and then that's very much dependent on how those people have managed significant impacts in their lives previously okay and um, so you know it is it is a no one size fits all so we're looking at um it goes from being fantastic to oh my god the work, you know my world is kind of over what do i do next you know so there's a wide spectrum of emotions yeah for sure here. yeah for sure i suppose like on a practical level there's things that the company can for sure help with you know 
I think getting an email saying you're a candidate for redundancy is awful, personally. Now, remember, I don't work in HR space, so, you know, I work in the HR space, I suppose, and there's an issue, you know, and, and brought in by HR people for mediations and things, but like, and I totally understand that somebody in America could be sending this email, you know, or or wherever could be sending this email. But I also feel that, you know, time differences aside, there is, you know, scheduling 15 minute Zoom call with people, mm. um, you know, even scheduling a phone call, you know, that that is significantly more personable and mm. personal than you're a candidate for redundancy. I mean, I, I personally think that's really horrible. Um, you know, it's a bit like getting a letter saying that somebody very close to you has passed away instead of somebody picking up the phone. Yeah, you and that, that's a really interesting point because getting that email, now I know some companies and many companies will do group calls as well, early stage group calls. Um, getting that email or, or once you know you're a candidate, um, it can feel like a catastrophe. Yeah. So there's an element of humiliation. There's a there's a there's a, a hit to your self esteem right Absolutely. at the point where you need to be building your self esteem because you're going to have to go into the white world. Yeah. Yep. Um. So how how could people um I suppose handle that emotionally? Um. And do you think then people will take that news from the workplace? and bring it into the home environment? Oh, yeah. Wholeheartedly, yes, to the second part of that question, mm. okay? So we, we'll come back to that in a second. The first part of the question, how can people handle that emotionally? I suppose, ideally, there is some sort of, no, I don't want to say employment assistance scheme, but that, that, that there is something on site. Mm. So when that news comes, because I've often seen it on the news with different companies, and, you know, you have somebody waiting outside to interview the people who are leaving the company. And, you know, so, OK, you've just heard the company is closing or you're losing your job. You know, how do you feel like that is horrendous? Like that is horrendous. Mm. Um, when. I mean, what are they supposed to say? Like, oh, it's great. You know, and often that I've heard, you know, like my husband and I work here or my wife and I work here. And now both of us are, are going to be made redundant, unemployed. How are, you know, we have three children. How are we going to survive? You know, we've worked here for 20 years. This is all we know. You know, these, these heart-wrenching stories. When a company sends out those type of emails or does the group call or does anything like that there should be people on site there i mean i i'm adamant that there should be people on site to support the individuals through that shock and mm. it is a shock <clears throat> whether people know it's coming or not it's a shock because you can think about it and you can you know all and I don't want to equate the two, but, you know, it's when you know somebody's really sick and that they're going to pass away and you know that and you're trying to prepare yourself for that. But when it happens, that preparation that you've done in your mind is never any good, really. It's actually a waste of time, mm. you know, spent with the person that you want to be with. It, it's kind of the feelings are along the same line. You know, you're trying to prepare yourself for something, hopefully you know, that you get a, a bit of time to be able to prepare yourself for something, but that the real hit 
doesn't happen until those words are said and it becomes real because up mm. until that moment it is a a maybe mm. in mind factor. uncertainty yeah 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 and in our minds while we don't love uncertainty there's an element of hope mm. with uncertainty yeah yeah so then that hope is cut so then it's black dark hole for the majority of people except the people who've been there a long time and they're trying to get out of it do you mm. know um it's this this dark hole and people need to be held in that and even group held you know because even though everybody is going to react slightly differently even in that group holding of people there is you know we've all had the same news yes we all feel slight you know everybody's feelings are different slightly different but we have a connection we have that connection and you see that in, in you know like in america with the school shootings and they open the schools mm. so that people can come into the place that was once familiar once a, a safe space and that they're being held there together in what was the familiar even though now something terrible has happened and um, so again it's the same type of trying to process that terrible information in a way that if you want to cry it's okay but that's all going to be down to the culture in the organization before that mm. so you know you'll have some organizations saying like yeah of course it's okay to be upset of course it's okay to cry but it was never okay to cry before mm. you know that's not going to work so you know it's about bespoke responses i think to organization or for organizations for the people that they work there but in saying that as well, it has to be a little bit about, no, not a little bit, it wholeheartedly has to be about respect for humans on a human level. And if companies, you know, I mean, I'm going to mention Twitter because like, to be fair, that hasn't very, that has not had a human element to it at all. Um, that is like, you know, yeah, sorry, you can't get into your account. We'll have your stuff sent to you by mm. the end of the week that is just detrimental to people you know absolutely detrimental to people and the word you used there was respect yeah that shows uh, no respect whatsoever no. yeah for people that have been there for years yeah. and contributed no. to the organization no. and have grown it to what it is and have yeah. blood sweat and tears into i may not have loved their job i may not have been joyful going into work every morning but did mm. they were there so I think the great lesson there for organizations going through this prof process is the word respect yeah. and to approach everything from that point. There's another point I wanted to, to raise with you as well in terms of attachment, right? I think it was one of the Stoics, maybe Stanica, that said attachment is the root of all suffering, mm -hmm. right? People, it's, people become attached and their identity becomes yes. associated with their, with their role, oh. right? Can you um, offer any insights on that in terms of breaking that attachment or in terms of um, not aligning yourself so much with your position? Uh, I would love to be able to say yes, I can. <laughs> um, but I know I am one personally that struggles with this. Mm. Um, you know, so again, I when I'm working on it from a personal point of view, I mm. have to bring it back to who am I, right? So what is the first question we get asked? Hi, what's your name? What do you do? 
you know, you or do? even the first question, you're not even asked, like, you know, also, what do you do? That's, you know, in any kind of group meet that we're at high, you know, so what do you do? Mm. Instead of saying something like, well, my name is Sharon and I am, you know, a mediator and a wife and mother, and, you know, all of these different things. Um, That's what I should be saying. I should be saying I'm Sharon and I'm a wife, a mom and a, but the first thing that will come out of my mouth is I'm, you know, I'm a mediator, right? Mm. Mm. So that's me aligning myself, attaching myself to my role. Because so why? So when we get into that, why? Because what does it do? It makes me feel, um, I suppose, and you know, this is good to be kind of similar, kind of different for everybody, but it makes me feel like I hold a position in society. Yes. Right. And we all do that. So because we all want to have that position in society, because mm. society has made it that way. Mm. So when that role is taken away from us or when you know that that's no longer there then we really have to go back to basics mm. who is there who am i mm. like that's a huge question like who am i now that this is gone mm. and unless there has to be huge internal work done with that and you know when i say internal work that can look like anything, right? Mm. That can look like going to counselling for some people. Mm. It can be, you know, medical support for some people. It can be psychiatric support for some people. It can be, but it also can be things like finding a class that you really enjoy that you've never had time to do mm. before. Mm-hmm. It can be journaling. I know I would be an avid journaler, you know, so if there's something that's really bothering me that I can't unpick in my brain, logically, I will just write. And, mm. um, you know, that doesn't cost anything. It costs, you know, a book. Um, it's about having someone to talk to. It's about having, you know, maybe family support or, as I said earlier, that connectivity with your group in work. Like, mm. because considering we spend most of our time with, our work colleagues and lesser of our time with our families they really become that supportive network and chances are they're all trying to discover who they are together mm. and even though you may not have had the best relationship with them in work because you know maybe one was line manager telling you what to do or you know whatever everybody knows in the same boat so there's this collectiveness that um, can be very useful in these types of rebuilding of the mm. self um, but it very much is about trying to and look, as I say, it's a work in progress for me all of the time. I am not a mediator. I am Sharon. Mm. And separating those two. Mm. Um, and I think as a society, if we could become more. Uh, OK, with that or, you know, more comfortable with mm. not attaching ourselves to what we do. Mm. as opposed to who we are mm. we we would be stronger for that you know as individuals as people um so you know again like i'd love to be able to say yeah i do this 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 and this and you know you'll be fine but there isn't because it's mm. going to depend on everybody's personality and then of course like if you go back to if you are one of these people that have been told like you were never good enough you will never amount to anything you of course they affect you because you're stupid 
and this has been your this has been what you've been told all the time this is your backstory this is where you've come from this is a huge piece of work to do then of course they were right sure of course I couldn't have kept the job of course I'm stupid you know wonder they got rid of me you know this is what this is your narrative your mm-hmm. internal narrative whereas if you come from a kind of a, um, a system where it does you know actually you're fantastic the way you are doesn't matter what you do you're loved you're part of our family this is you know you are the most important thing as long as you're happy and healthy who cares about anything else we'll find a way then what happens is very much like it's, it's okay you know mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna get through this it's, it's gonna be fine you know so there's also a control piece, Sharon, right? So if you attach your identity to what you do, mm-hmm. it can be taken away from you in a moment. In a split second. And so yeah. your identity can be shattered by something that's entirely outside, outside your, of control. your control. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, a redundancy situation looks like a conflict situation, right? Yeah, it can where, be, yeah, yeah. Where one side has no power or feels powerless. Uh-huh. And one side appears to have all the power. What would your advice be or your thoughts be on the the, the person that, that feels powerless in that that scenario um, to regain a sense of power? Is there something they can do or is it all internal work, do you think? I suppose, you know, even going back to what I said earlier, it, is it a conflict? Okay, so when I said to you earlier that we, when we're in conflict, we all have a part to play in the, in the conflict, however mm. small, right? Mm. So is that fair then to say that the person who has been made redundant has had a part to play in that conflict? Because I don't think that that would be a fair thing to say, you know, mm. because they're going to be getting the email the same way as, you know, they're not expecting the email possibly, or they are, whichever. But, you know, do they have a role to play in that? The answer to that is no. So I don't know if that's technically a conflict. That is an imbalance of power, mm, right? Mm. So within that, so while it does cause conflictual feelings, mm. is it? it's not something that can be resolved in that you can't go back to the table with the management and say, well, actually, you know, I think you did the wrong thing by telling me I'm going to be made redundant because, you know, I'm fabulous at what mm. I do, okay? So there isn't that kind of, mediation position Mm -hmm. in that Mm -hmm. so i suppose the work the conflictual work here would be around yes for certain the internal conflicts that will be happening right and and the external in that it is going to have a huge impact on family you know Mm -hmm. um so how that's managed and how that's dealt with but as part of the maybe uh resilience piece or you know, working through that internal conflict piece, there is nothing wrong, nothing wrong with sitting and writing a letter to your employer and saying in this letter, now, it may never be opened Mm. and it may never be responded to because I've actually been working with a certain amount of company, well, people in companies that have felt that they've been gaslighted hugely, like at the moment, by by those companies. And, you know, sending emails, requesting different things, and they're just not being answered, like Mm -mm. making phone calls. They're not being answered. So but there is nothing wrong with sending those emails Mm. and demanding those answers. You may not get them and you have to let go of the outcome of that. Mm. What has to be healing in that 
is the fact that you have let them know how you feel. Mm. So, it, you know, because unless you, you know, and I mean, you will have, for example, I suppose in some companies you will have like maybe middle management will sit down with the people who have been made redundant and say, yeah, you know, we hear what you're saying. Yes, we understand it's a terrible loss. We, you know, all of those things. Mm. But there's nothing they can do about it because the mm-hmm. decision has been made above their head and they're actually in a really difficult position because they're being squeezed from the top and they're also being squeezed from the bottom. So like it would mm-hmm. aid to be in the management position. Whereas it's about just letting those feelings go, you know. and, well, and they have to go it, somewhere. They do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like I would be an avid, you know, put them on an email. And mm. it doesn't need to be censored because you can't be sacked. Do you know mm. what I mean? So, mm. like, it's, you know, you don't have to do that. You know, you can just tell them exactly what the last 20 years of your life has been like in there. And, mm. you know, whatever it is you feel the need to say, let them go. Mm. Do not hold them. It's going mm. to do you no favours whatsoever if it's a case of writing it in the letter and throwing the letter in the fire after you've lit, you know, mm. or whatever, if you don't want it to go anywhere. Mm. But don't hold them. Don't keep them inside because it will it will make you sick. And it might make your nearest and dearest sick as well. Absolutely. So that's part of the empowering process, right? Yeah. Straight away. That's a practical piece of yeah. advice that people can take. Write it down and get it get out. It out. Put it get on it out. And like mind. just to say as well that like you might write it today on Monday mm. and on Thursday. But, and I forgot to say this. You sit down and you write it out again. Mm. And next week, you might feel something different. You do it again. You know, it right. doesn't have to be a one thing. You just, whatever comes up for you, you let it go. Um, no, I would say that with families too, but obviously I would be, you know, more tentative about, you know, letting people read that or, you know, yeah. because, you know, you don't want to hurt people more than they're hurt already. And again, too, you don't want to go blaming outwards when maybe, you know, in a family situation, it is different, you know. Mm, mm. But in this work situation, if, if you're being let go and you had no idea that this was going to happen, mm. what's worse that can happen? Like, Okay, so um, the redundancy process involves a negotiation. There is a piece of negotiation that goes into it. Um, in terms of negotiation what kind of um advice could we offer or, or in terms of handling that negotiation that conflict situation i know that there are people that can come out of an extended negotiation that have been a candidate for redundancy and there is a tiny perceptible chance that they will still have their job on the other side because in ireland statutorily uh, there are legislative rules where there, there has to be a negotiation process so in your experience in terms of negotiation what advice would you say recommend or could you think of for the injured party or for um the candidate okay so i think it's again you get the news there's the initial shock and trauma and how your body is actually physically and mentally and emotionally going to to support you or not in that mm. moment right mm. and then it's very much about sitting down with like you, you said your nearest and dearest or sitting with yourself and mm. like I'm a real old-fashioned person when it comes to pros and cons lists but using the button, pen and paper because when you're doing okay. it on, this is just my experience well, that's right? great. But when I'm doing it on 
the computer. I'm not yeah. feeling it. Yeah. You know, it's just it's just a list. Right. So like if if you I'm not going to show you my desk because it's a mess. But like there are lists everywhere, you yeah. know. And so there's the to do list of what I have to do today. But there is the, you know, the to do list for kind of what I need to do for myself. Mm to keep myself in this work, to keep myself kind of being the best that I can be in this work. There's a to-do list for the family. Like, you know, there's all of those things. Do you really want to negotiate? Like, what do you want to negotiate? Mm. That's a massive question. Like, mm. if you hated that job, and mm. but you've been there for 20 years, and now you're after getting this, do you want to negotiate the best exit package you can get? Or mm. do you want to negotiate your job back? Mm. Do you know? What is it? What is it you want mm. to negotiate? And mm. the hardest piece of that, I think, is trying to do that without fear. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So because, right, been in the job 20 years, hated it, but have three children in college. Yeah. Okay. Huge financial burden there. Mm. Do I negotiate going back into a job for the next whatever 10 15 years depending on your age right whatever it will go to get my kids through college mm. and be sick and hate another 10 15 years of my life or do i negotiate a package that will buy me enough time to maybe get one of them through mm. and give me the time to rethink what it is i want to do when i grow up yeah, I think that's a really yeah. important part of for anybody going into that negotiation process, what you just said there, identify the outcome mm -hmm. that you want and work backwards. And, yeah. And plan yeah. towards it. Yeah. Um, but also, yeah, you can you can negotiate as well from the point of view of the best possible outcome on the table and identify that and write it down. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But but without fear, Connor, and like, because, yeah. you know, and that is so easy to say. And I know I do say to some of my parties or if I'm working with children or whatever, at times I'd say to them, okay, so, and I, this sounds silly, but it takes people back into, you know, kind of a childlike space, which is theoretically where we want to be, you know. Mm. Um, so you say to them, you know, if you had a magic wand and you could change anything right now, what would that be? And mm. I don't want to hear things like everything. I want mm. to know specifics. I want to know exactly what that would be. Would it be that you loved the, the job when you were 40 and you felt, you know, at that point, at that level, you were doing really well, you were happy in the job, you were, you know, the bills were being covered, you had extra free time at home with your smallies. But now, because you've moved up the line, maybe, there's less time at home. Your children have grown up without you. You're under significant pressure. Your health is failing. Your mm. marriage is. Um, what is it you want? Mm. And really taking that time and sitting with somebody, you know, like myself or like the significant other. Sometimes, you see, I suppose when you say the significant other, they're bought into the outcome as well. And then you feel that that it added pressure of if I say, no, I'm not going back to work and the children are going to be, uh, you know, yes, they're adult children and all that sort of stuff, but that they're going to be, you know, without college funding or 
pocket money, you know, whatever it is, right? Mm. Um, how is that going to impact? And you'll have the significant other then saying, sorry, dogs are in background. Sorry if you can hear that. It's all right. Um, the, the significant other is kind of maybe very subliminally, you know, saying, oh, do what you want. Mm-mm-mm. You know, do what's ha- what makes you happy. But I wonder how little Johnny is going to finish college. Mm-mm. That's yeah. of no benefit. You know, um, that's a little bit like saying, yeah, of course, but no, you better not. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's no good yeah. to you. So it is better to sit with somebody who either doesn't know the situation per se mm. or is in that collective that I've spoken about already. You know, mm. people who are going through the same things mm. um, because they're going to be in that same place with, OK, we have an opportunity here, actually. Mm. You know, we have an opportunity. There's going to be X amount of money. Mm whatever that is. So I can do something like, I can retrain. I've always wanted to do art. Mm. I was really good at it in school. Springboards do all these courses or, or such and such college do all these courses. I can, I can look up and I can see how I can do that and maybe work part time and do what I wanted to do when I was a young person, mm. when I had dreams. When I was before I became the breadwinner, the parent, you know, before we fell into suburbia, mm. or I can get really bogged down. And I mean, I, I went there when I was 39. Like that's, you know, I went, OK, what do I want to be when I go? Thankfully, I found it in mediation, you know, mm. and, and, and the conflict pieces, you know, it's been a whole game changer for me. But I took that time to do that. Mm. Um, and it was man it was scary like it was really scary mm. but not for one second would I look back and say I'm really sad that I didn't stay in that other job mm. I mean I had somebody at, at one point this week say to me you're completely unemployable you know mm. because you've been on your own now doing your own thing for so long but that's fine that's fine you know so it is about the magic wand and I know that sounds so childlike but that's the way I want it to sound mm-hmm. because we all had dreams as individuals before we became parents you know adulting in an adult world it's like mm-hmm. you know it's 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 a new start like and yeah. yes quite scary it's good so I guess the the lesson here is try as hard as it may be to reframe what looks like mm-hmm. a catastrophe mm-hmm. as an immense opportunity right that would and and i don't want that to sound like oh yeah what would she know you know or like it's easy for them to say i have a huge Mm. mortgage you know i don't want it to sound like there are practical implications you know okay Mm. and i don't want people like if people are going oh my god this is the worst thing that could possibly have happened well then Mm. that's exactly what they're feeling right now but by talking to somebody on a real practical, honest level where there are no kind of um, additional pressures put on you, I think mm. it can be reframed. Yeah. And your experience, do companies, say in Ireland, for example, are they seeking mediation practitioners to become involved in the process? External? Not so much, no. So it would all be no, That's handled. just from my experience. Okay, yeah. so there may be other um, mediators that would have different experiences who would be involved in the commercial mediation side. Mm. Um, but from my experience, 
doing a coercion mediation as opposed to supporting people in an emotional loss mm. um, is completely different. Yeah, and I'm just wondering if there is a, a great opportunity here because I, my, my my feeling is that there are privacy issues and companies will generally want to manage that stuff in-house. Perhaps there's a great opportunity to bring in mediators, yeah. bring in therapists to work with people, yeah. you know? And and like just to say as a mediator, I'm completely governed by confidentiality. Like, mm. you know, there's no it's a bit like being in the confessional long ago. Like there is nothing that I can say unless there's a crime being committed or, you know, there are there are some exceptions out of the child protection and, and you know criminal activity, but um it is a confidential process. So it's not that I, if I was just taken on by Elon Musk, just say for the crack, right, that mm. I could go out and say he is this, 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 and this. I couldn't do that, mm. you know. Um, so absolutely, I think it's a wasted and missed opportunity. But then, of course, I would say that because I'm biased. But, mm. you know, I do think that there is, there is a peak that we're allowing, in some ways, vulnerable adults. And I know we spoke about this briefly before, but we're allowing vulnerable adults out into a world that is completely uncertain at the moment because none of us know what's going to happen mm. um, in relation to work and mortgage, interest rates and all of those things. Um, and they're too vulnerable to seek help because they don't know where to go. Mm. And I think if mediation was offered as a solution, mm are offered as a potential solution. My only thing is with mediation, the perception that comes into people's minds is that it's fighting or it's talking mm. about something that won't change. But actually, by the whole process of mediation, it changes you, me, as a person. Mm. Because we become clearer on steps we need to take to come to an outcome so even though the outcome you're you still are redundant mm. the outcome of the process will give you options mm. and i don't know if that sounds fluffy well maybe I can explain that a little bit better maybe i don't know um, well no i i do understand because the, the very the virtue of the fact that you're going through a mediation process is almost therapeutic in itself yes and empowering yeah. It's right. empowering. It's for sure um, empowering. Yeah, it's self-determining. Yeah, self-determining, and, and then you regain some sense of yeah. of, of power. Um, so, is there any any other advice you would have for people or recommendations for people post redundancy? So now they've left the organization, um, and they're they're in the rebuilding mm. phase. Is there anything that springs to mind? I suppose, for, and again, I will just go from personal experience that for me, the rebuilding phase was re-education for sure, right, mm -hmm. in something that I wanted to do mm -hmm. um, because I had kind of fallen into a previous career. Mm -hmm. um, and the other thing was I took quite a bit. Now, when I say I took time out, it's not that I went on mad holidays or anything. I didn't do any of that because I still mm -hmm. had people here at home that I needed to look after now. But in that time, though, um, we say I'm in Cork, right? And I was studying mm. in Sligo. So that drive for me was my time out. Mm. That drive home 
for me was my time out. So mm. I allocated that time to me. Mm. I allocated the night. So I drive up on a Friday, we'd have college all day Saturday and maybe a half day Sunday. And so I'd have to stay over. I allocated that night to me to do reflection, to write in the journal, to read, to sit in, you know, the bar when I'd order dinner and, and people watch. Mm. I didn't fill every single moment mm. of time to be busy. Mm. It was a huge, huge thing for me because, you know, when you ask people like her things, oh, busy, 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 you know, um, it doesn't have to be busy, busy, busy. And when you slow your body down, mm. inevitably, after some time, your mm. mind will slow down and then things become clearer. The things that are important to you become clearer. Is it that I want to spend more time with my my children, my wife or my husband or you know, my partner? Is it that I don't want to spend more time with my my partner, my husband, my wife? Mm. Is it that this relationship, OK, the job has changed. I've changed. Oh my goodness, is it that this relationship needs to change? Mm. Allow yourself the space to become the next version of yourself. Exactly. To be whatever that is. Sharon Morrissey. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Hello, everyone. If you enjoyed that conversation and would like to see more. Hit the subscribe button below. Don't forget to like, comment, and share. It really helps the channel grow. Thank you.